3: Listening to the Road of His Radio Weekly Recap, a show where every week I, your host, Kyle Devorcek, find me on Twitter at FFKyleTheKid, take you on a tour through the last week in Road of His podcasting, featuring clips from your favorite shows on the Road of His Radio channel. First clip comes to you this week, courtesy of the Road of His mailbag, where Jeremy Hart has a different guest on every week. This week it is Ian Harditz, breaking down a few questions, including what the new Cardinals offense could look like under Byron Leftwich, and will it mean anything for David Johnson and others? Have a listen. Redraft
4: PPR, can you give us a take on Arizona going forward under the Byron left to its leadership? I swear the, these questions are just, I don't know what's going on here. Uh, outside of me feeling old as dirt because I remember eating poppers and drinking beers on my 21st birthday while watching Byron's offensive lineman carry him halfway down the field with a broken leg, Can there possibly be a narrative spun that he revamps the offense in such short order or in amount of time? So let the cat out of the bag. You kind of mentioned uh, you had a take on DJ here. So what do you got? I mean, I've seen some old. Like I went back and started reading old news articles to see like what kind of dude Byron Leftwich was, and it was all basically about talent evaluation and finding a great leader with the right characteristics. And I get it, and that's coaching. But I mean, I saw no semblance of you know advanced analytics or anything i was hoping to see so i don't know maybe we get much more of the same i could be wrong
5: yeah i mean first of all can't name a more courageous moment in sports than you know byron left with a byron left with a marshall you know getting his linemen to help him down the field what what a moment so i'm, I'm with the guy there i'm Look, the offense really can't get much worse at this point, so I think <laughs> Byron's in a pretty decent spot. When you dig into David Johnson's usage, it really is like as brutal as it looks when you're watching. I mean, it, it's it's something like the Cardinals aren't running the ball that much, but David Johnson is still somehow like first in the league and runs directly up the middle. I mean, they're not giving him any sort of misdirection or help trying to get him to the outside. His, all right, so in 2016 with Bruce Arians, he was averaging. 13 snaps a game as a slot, um, in the slot or as a wide receiver. It took him until like week six this season to even reach 13 snaps total as a wide receiver. Everything coming from Byron Leftwich is that he's a Bruce Arians disciple. Arians spoke very highly of him, and Leftwich is literally saying that he, you know, he wants to pull from what Arians was doing with David Johnson to get him going. So, looking at the schedule coming forward, they got the 49ers this week. That's the 25th ranked defense in DraftKings points per game allowed to running backs. They got a bye. Then I got the Chiefs, who are 30th. The Raiders are 22nd. In their last five games, they don't even play a top-10 defense. So, you know, things are looking up for David Johnson. Again, mostly because they can't get get much worse. But I'm tentatively buying the Byron Leftwich era.
4: Let's go! DJ, (laughs) all in. Let's do this. Yes. Yes. Here we go. Oh my gosh. I didn't need
5: to hear that. I did not need to. Prepare to be disappointed.
4: (laughs) Right. Temper your expectations. There should be like a disclosure at the end of the show here. Uh, directed at me. Uh, moving on here. Redraft, should I be happy as an Amari owner that he's in Dallas now, or is this really just a wash? I also have a ton of Zeke shares in best ball. Uh, so what does this do to Zeke's volume going forward? He was already seeing less pass volume the last few weeks. I mean, I, geez, in addition to Curse, Ian, like, I'm one of the non-sharp dudes, like, sharp as a marble, that I still played Zeke last week, just awful. Didn't get on carry-on and stay on Thielen for my main cash team. Like, just just mistakes were made like moving on from there right but now Amari's in the fold I'm watching Zeke get split out wide into the slot and then literally every single time Dak doesn't even look his direction so if you won't even look at Zeke is he gonna look at Amari like and I mean passing volumes down here in general I I don't know what do you
5: got Yeah, man, real quick on Zeke and that call last week. I mean, that Washington defense, back to back weeks, it looked like Zeke and then McCaffrey the week before were just in these smash spots. I couldn't figure out why it didn't happen. I dug into numbers a little bit more this week because I wanted to find out why they were ranking. So, because the Redskins defense, they're still like 26th in adjusted line yards allowed per rush. But they're like, they're number two, I think, in the league in open field yards allowed. So basically, like, their linebackers and safeties are just playing the run unbelievably and making all these tackles so I think that's kind of been why they've been playing so well but
3: Looking into the Washington run defense just a little more just want to dig a little deeper and I found out that they are actually allowing the fewest raw rush attempts against their defense and this is likely because they are horribly slow in terms of their offensive pace so just in terms of the games they play in they limit the amount of plays run by a lot They are 31st per Football Outsiders in neutral game script, seconds per play, which if you're the opposing offense, you are sitting on the bench watching them ride out the clock, even when the game is is tied in the first quarter 7-7. Another team that does this similarly is the Philadelphia Eagles. They have allowed the second fewest rush attempts in the league against their defense, but unlike every other team surrounding them, they played a full seven games. So they really are, in terms of rush attempts per game, the last team in the league They are similarly a slower-paced team. This is also probably bolstered by the fact that they are winning often, so they are controlling the pace and they are forcing you to throw the ball, meaning that you really can't run against them very often. This week against the Jacksonville Jaguars, we're not sure what we'll see with TJ Yeldon and Carlos Hyde. For me, I'm probably staying away both. Even before this news, I, I don't like that committee approach. And then now seeing that they will probably be struggling to run the ball consistently, not a team I'm looking to target for my running game. Next clip comes to you courtesy of On The Daily, where they break down the DFS slate each week. Hosts are Matt LaMarca, Matt Jones, and Anthony Amico. This week, I employed them to talk about tight ends because I don't want to talk about tight ends. It's a miserable position, and I
6: don't know what to tell you. It's bad. I'm sorry. Here they are. All right, let's move on to the tight end position. Uh, And Travis Kelsey stands alone this week, basically, no... Rob Gronkowski, and no Zach Ertz. So he's all the way up there at 6,800. No one else is above 55. So uh, I think we are all have have kind of been saying that we're going to be looking for every dollar possible, so it's probably going to be tough for us to afford Kelsey and cash games, but uh, what do we think about him for GPPs, Jonesy?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously the the ceiling is there. Um, Kansas City is going to... Probably scored a ton of points. Shocker there. Um, yeah, so I mean, I'll definitely have some exposure to him, but I, there's no chance that I'm paying up for him in cash. Yeah,
6: I think that's I think that's the way I feel, too. Like his ceiling is just so high every week. Like he's a 100 yards and a touchdown, like not not surprising. Obviously, multiple touchdowns are, are in his range of outcomes as well. Uh, Miko, what are your thoughts on Kelsey this week?
1: Uh, Love, big love. I mean, he is way, way cheaper than Tyreek Hill, despite seeing similar volume. Obviously, Hill sees those targets deeper down the field. But uh, at his position, uh, Kelsey sees tremendous volume and tremendous depth of target. So uh, I love Kelsey this week. I mean, he's a fringe cash play for me. Obviously, you mentioned Matt. we want to try to save some money where we can. Uh, But if I have the money, I'm certainly going to be spending it for Kelsey.
6: Yeah, I, I played Zach Ertz in cash last week, and, like, it's just such a luxury to have one of those guys. Yeah. So if you can afford it, 10 out of 10 would recommend. Um, Moving down a little bit, I mean, David Njoku has popped up on the injury report, which is a little bit concerning. But Uh-oh. he's, he's uh, exceeded salary-based expectations in four straight games and now has one of the best matchups possible for a tight end against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Assuming he is good to go. How do you guys feel about him at 4,600 on DraftKings?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I said, I think a few weeks ago that I was going to just lock button him until they're by because of all the great matchups that he had. The injury is obviously concerning, but I think if he's, if he's playing that, uh, he's going to be all right. So I would, uh, I would assume that he's going to be my tight end in the three man this week.
6: I kind of feel the same way. Uh, 4,600. Like it does feel like there are more tight ends in that like mid to high 4k range than there were at the beginning of the season, which is a little weird. Like David and Joku in this matchup, I feel like early in the season would not have been this expensive, but Mm -hmm. It's still like such a good spot if he's active. Uh, Amiko, what are your thoughts on Njoku?
1: I mean, the Steelers are complete sieves to tight ends, but I, uh, I will not be playing David Njoku this week. I will likely be just paying the extra money to get Jared Cook. Uh, I think that Cook is the most reliable current receiver on the Raiders. He is just 5K. like He's already been a really awesome fantasy tight end to begin with. Um, and now we're gonna put him on a team that now doesn't have Amari Cooper. Like I feel like, again, very similar to what we we're saying before about Jordy, like low A dot. So he has a high catch rate, a good floor, someone that you know is gonna be involved in the offense. He has the highest weighted opportunity rating on the entire team. Um, so I, he, that's a guy that I really like. I mean, he no one on the Raiders, including Amari Cooper, uh, you know, is within. I don't know 12 targets of him out of the receivers jalen richard has 37 targets We're pretty close to cook's 44 but that's it
3: just a quick reminder before we get into our next clip that if you want to get in on all the tools you hear us talking about every show and all the articles we're referencing you can do so for a 30 percent discount Rotoviz.com forward slash podcast a Rotavis, sports data analytics site you're getting Over 1,000 articles per year, over a dozen apps, all designed to help you take down those tournaments, win your fantasy championships, and profit. Go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for a 30% discount. You can also specifically support the Rotoviz Radio channel by going to patreon.com forward slash Radio. Subbing to our Patreon gives you access to the Rotoviz Live show every Sunday morning get those last minute DFS tips, get the last minute start sits, injury updates, all of it is going on, is live, you get to interact with the hosts you're hearing every week on this channel, and you also get access to the community of podcast hosts and listeners going on over at the Patreon, that is patreon.com forward slash Rotovis radio. This next clip comes to you courtesy of the Road of Report. Every week, Blair. This episode is brought to you by Decoy
2: Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn.
3: and Hassan Rahim are breaking down the news bites we got from the last week of NFL football. This week I had them talking about Jordan Howard and Eric Ebron who both had surprising weeks and that Jordan Howard did something for your fantasy team and Eric Ebron didn't for a first time in what seems like forever. Here's the clip.
8: Jordan Howard rushed 12 times for 39 yards and a touchdown in the Bears' week 7 loss to the Patriots.
9: Um, I mean, I think this is a bad stat line right this is not good 12 times for 39 yards that's like a little over three yards he got the touchdown but um i think you know now that cohen is being a lot more worked into the office basically every time howard is in the game opponents know that it's a a running play so uh he's kind of easy to stack the box against when he's on the field so i expect that we'll continue to see these kind of, uh, low rushing yardage totals and maybe he'll get a touchdown. Um, I mean, we've said it before, clearly the back to own in this backfield is Cohen. Um, I don't think that Howard is going to be, um, going to be, you know, winning many fantasy titles this season. So, I mean, he's someone who, if you can sell high after the touchdown, maybe try to do that. Although that seems hard to do, but, uh, yeah, so I guess this is a no-shit, even though he did get a touchdown. I mean, yeah, he's going to get a touchdown, so no shit. Eric Ebron absorbed three of seven targets for 31 yards Sunday in the Colts' week seven win over the Bills.
8: Yeah, this is kind of going to be a no-shit here for me as well. Uh, I mean, look, Ebron was really fueled by the fact that Luck had no one else to throw to. Uh, TTY Hilton was out. Uh, there was no more than Mack. You know, I mean, these guys, he only had Ebron and he had uh, Chester Rogers, Ryan Grant, Ryan Grant, Zach Pascal, you know, I mean, he has no one really to throw to. And when, like, Hilton came back, uh, you know, he immediately, I mean, first off, this was a a game that was fairly low flow in terms of of how many times this uh, Luck had to actually throw the ball. He only attempted 23 passes. Uh, you know, seven of them, the majority of them, actually went to Eric Ebron, uh, you know, and then the rest were kind of parsed out between the others. Uh, Hilton saw four, Rogers saw four, Max saw three. You know, he, he only completed 17 for 156 yards and four TDs. This team was completely comfortable letting the Bills beat themselves. And I think that that's going to be uh, a story going down the stretch is just the Bills' woefully inept offense will not generate. Or force the other team to really have to play football. And they're completely content doing that. Uh, In terms of, uh, you know, Ebron just sort of fading away today. Yeah, that's going to be a no-shit because he's a tight end. That's kind of what tight ends do. And when you're faced with a game script that doesn't end up shooting out, you're just not going to see many targets.
9: Yeah, so seven targets doesn't sound like really a lot. As you mentioned, only 23 pass attempts for luck though so that's like a 30% target market share he also had 52% of the total air yards on the team so uh i mean those are you know like <laughs> incredible numbers
3: especially for a tight end Another surprising thing about that Colts game was that before, it, if you told me T.Y. Hilton went for two touchdowns, I would have told you I was about to be a very rich man. And then you look at a stat line and he had just four catches for 25 yards with those two scores because an odd side effect of playing against Derrick Anderson is that you get great field position. There's not a lot of yards to work with to carve up the Buffalo Bills defense. The Colts final two scoring drives went for a combined 22 yards because of turnovers given up by the Bills giving the Colts great starting field position. On top of that, the Colts were able to rush for over 200 yards, making it pretty easy for them to get an early lead, not have to throw a lot, and when they did, they were throwing from Bill's territory already. But with that being said, I think it looks like T.Y. Hilton is healthy, and going forward, he is your locked-in T.Y. Hilton every week, considering that right now, the Colts are on pace to throw for the second-most pass attempts ever, just behind the 2012 Matt Stafford Lions, and as opposed to the first three weeks, Andrew Luck has been pushing it downfield. His average depth of target nearly doubled from his first three weeks to his second three weeks. Andrew Luck is back. T.Y. Hilton's back. It looks like it's all systems go. This next and final clip comes you courtesy of Roto's overtime. This week, Sean Siegel and Colm Kelly are talking about some young wide receivers who have yet to break out, and whether maybe this is their year or if it maybe isn't going to happen for them, then they move on to a team on the verge of a complete meltdown. Really enjoyable clip. Here it is.
10: The other guys, though, that are standing and remaining from this list that I'm not all that sure about so far is uh, Michael Gallup, Anthony Miller, uh, and I think DJ Moore, even though he had the fumble issues last week, I'm pretty confident in him long-term. Out of Gallup and Miller, is there concerns for you with what they've done so far? I haven't been all that overly impressed with what I've seen.
11: Well, Miller is in a tricky situation where you have that – offense that is spreading the looks around obviously Gabriel getting a surprising amount of volume in, in that offense. The the issue with, with Gallup and, and some of those players with the Cowboys, despite their absolute di- dismantling of the Jaguars is just what the caliber of that offense will be long-term. The other one who's interesting is Cortland Sutton, who currently is at negative 7.8 fantasy points over expectation. Uh, but is third here in targets Uh, he also like callaway is below 50 percent in catch rate which is a little bit of a red flag and and certainly the situation in denver uh, case keenum not performing to the level they were hoping even though emmanuel sutton has definitely bounced back so with sutton you, you have to make a bet on what you think the future of the broncos will be and certainly their quarterback and coach situation uh very tenuous at this point
10: yeah, I think you you mentioned Emmanuel Sutton. I think you you meant Emmanuel Sanders, but uh, he he had a big uh, performance this past week, and I've been impressed with how he's bounced back because obviously as an and wide receiver, I thought he could be somebody who could be past that tipping point, you know, and and may not have things picking up for him, but uh, he he has looked very very good. But what what the situation you mentioned there with the quarterback? I guess when we're on it, do you think uh, you know? Is it? I know that I know when. Uh, case keenan went out on uh, sunday uh, he went out to get tested for a concussion and the, the crowd kind of had a, a warm round of applause uh, for kelly coming in as the backup quarterback and then obviously they ch- had to change back because he, he passed the concussion protocol but do you think making that switch would uh, help uh, you know i think sometimes fans can uh you know have the think of the the glass being fuller with changing it over but with a, a quarterback uh, and kelly who has has done some things in college do you think? there's an opportunity for the team to be better with him in there or do you think it's gonna it's gonna be a, a dip either way
11: i have a hard time weighing in in an unbiased fashion on the broncos as, as such a big cheese fan <laughs> you mentioned sanders and it's entertaining i think to see him have that catch early in the game and then go off as though you know he's antonio brown or randy moss like one of the greatest receivers in nfl history and then um a few seconds later you realize oh you were actually down at the one yard line and your completely unnecessary taunting has now pushed your team back out to the 16 and essentially taken away maybe this one chance to be competitive in this game where you're going to get blown out uh i find that humorous obviously if you are a sanders owner losing that touchdown is big if you're a Broncos fan um, that meltdown there uh, reminds you too much of a players you don't want to emulate like Odell Beckham perhaps Th- this team just seems like they're on the verge of having uh new york giants problems or pittsburgh steelers problems and and one of the things that we see with those teams is that if you're as talented as the steelers you can get away with it if you're as talented as the giants it's only one more thing that sends
3: your ceiling your season spiraling downward we get out of here i wanted to look at who case keenum has been this year we know last year he was a borderline mvb talent for the vikings coming out of nowhere a real cinderella story this year has not been the case with the broncos but going over to airyards.com looking at his efficiency completion percentage based on depth of target he is relatively average to above average looking at pretty much every depth then you look over at something like his pacer basically the air yards he's thrown and how many of those air yards came to fruition as actual yards this year slightly below average in the short to intermediate depths then pushing down the field 15 to 25 yards he was above average slight blip on the radar only five attempts from just below 25 yards to 30 yards he didn't complete any of those but then Just like his completion percentage, from 30 yards and deeper, he's been money well above the league average in terms of pacer. Moving on to maybe why this is happening, you look at his pressure percentage, basically the percentage of dropbacks he's been pressured on, 10.3%. For some context on that number, Joe Flacco right now is being pressured at a 4.1% rate. And if you didn't know, using the clean pocket passes that a quarterback throws is really a glimpse into who they truly are. It's the most stable way to measure quarterback play. And if we're not getting that measurement, then we don't know who a quarterback truly is. On the season, his completion percentage is below what you would expect. His expecting completion percentage is 65.4% compared to just 63.6% actual completion percentage. But when you take away the plays he was hit on, that narrative flips. This year, he has been slightly above average in terms of completion percentage compared to his expected completion percentage. The only real concerning thing is that of his nine interceptions, eight have come from clean pockets. That's something that you often see drop when you take away those those hurries and those hits but for case keenum he's made a lot of bad decisions even when he's had the chance to throw good passes that is one thing that is a bit concerning and has been concerning the whole season for broncos fans but i think he may be getting a bad rap because he's being pressured enormously and it's affecting the way he plays that's going to do it for this week if you want to support the show remember rotovis.com forward slash podcast for your 30 percent discount and as always patreon.com forward slash rotovis radio i've been your host find me on twitter at ffkylethekid. kyle the kid thanks for tuning in
7: Love a good deal? Sale into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from 19.99, polos from 16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15. Bucks for adults, ten bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in store for free. Hurry—the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 29 to 92. Excludes in-store clearance jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active, license, and men's package tees.